God, thank you that you are the lover of our souls, that you made us, that you are our greatest adventure and best friend. Pray that your spirit would be with us, that it would be worth our time, and that you would speak really passionately about how you made us as women. Help us to be proud. Help us to look like you and love like you. Jesus, this is all in your name and for your sake. Amen. So, the seminar friends us are all very outgoing men.
Alto. And she's going to explain it really fast about why.
in control. When you look up that root word in the concordance for fluid or Bible, BLV, the Hebrew translation for dominion is actually more of a kingly word, like an, a trusted privilege, a stewardship. And here's where it gets crazy. We need to look at dominion as our Lord would, because he's our king, right? It's a kingly nature. We've got to look at our Lord. And how did he love creation? He loved it into being. He made it. He has a final plan of redemption for creation. And not just for people, but for the whole world. And so I'm really challenged by this. How am I doing with this? Am I really good at loving God's people? Probably not. Am I really good at loving God's earth? His creation? Or do I just think I have power over it to do whatever I want with it, to use it? His dominion, this root word, is really helpful for us testing our wisdom and insight. We need to go back to scripture and make sure it lines up there. The third really simple way to develop this gift is to ask for wisdom. To ask for it. In the Old Testament, Solomon is given the chance to ask for anything in the whole world. He can ask for the biggest muscles, the most beautiful wife, the most money, anything. And he asks for wisdom. Second Chronicles 1, 7 through 10 is where that's found. He asks God for wisdom. The book of James also tells us that if we lack wisdom, we're to ask for it. <laughs> ask for wisdom. But God loves us and he wants to give us our heart's desires. James 1.5 says that. He wants to give us wisdom. I wonder if we just don't ask for it enough. I cannot tell you how many times I've been in over my head and have no idea what I'm doing, and I just stop and ask God for wisdom, and he amazingly supplies us. Uh, me and 16 other staff in Cincinnati last night before this placed 100 leaders. 100. And we were into over our head, and we asked for wisdom, and God amazingly supplies. We just got to ask him. So after we talk about how to develop a strength, we will then have a question for each one. And we're going to give you guys like 30 seconds to write down what first comes to your head. And if you're like me, that's going to make you really mad because you can't think of the perfect answer to write it down and get it right. But that's not what we're doing. We're only giving you 30 seconds, so it's the first thing that comes into your mind. The first thing that God might be prompting to arrive in our little brains that we can think about it and go back to it later. So the first question we want us all to think about is, is there some wisdom or insight that God is giving you that you should be sharing with someone? Something that's awesome about these questions is you don't have to write them down, they're on the back of your handout. So if you just flip your handout over, read that first question, and spend some time for about it. Thank you. Savvy, I'm really sorry. 
here, and I would really love to teach you. She stopped, opened an Excel, and we made our first budget. My husband is so thankful for that moment in my life. <laughs> but I also am too, because she just stopped and was willing to nurture me where I was at. Some other fun things about how Susie cared for me is that I never paid for groceries in the house ever. I always ate her kids snacks and she just never cared and would go to Costco every day. She taught me the house rules from how they like the toilet paper roll replaced to no guys over after 10 p.m. I got to be part of their family. Every Sunday night we would have family meetings for me and her husband Chris and they would like go over their budget for the week and I got to have voice there. They would intentionally plan who they were inviting over for dinner that week to love. They would also discuss who was watching the kids one night so they could do contact work. And I got to watch that for two years. It was unbelievable. We're a family. And here's what's so cool about nurturing, it's two-sided. Because of how she cared for me, I moved out for almost a year and, and I got a phone call from her one night and she said, I need your the flu had taken out her entire family but her. That includes her three-year-old, her one-and-a-half-year-old, and her infant, and her husband. And at 11.30 at night, she's like, can you come over? And I got to love her and care for her. I remember one time at two in the morning, <laughs> her little four-year-old boy just threw up on the carpet and came outside, and I go to go care for him, and her husband Chris has also been throwing up all night. He doesn't know I'm there. He comes into Luke's room, and he sees me, and he just stops and says, Community. 
introverts really like to read books next to each other silently. Like my husband is a mega introvert. He really likes reading next to each other and not talking. He really likes to read a puzzle and not talking so much. And even if we don't like gathering people, I do believe God calls us to it and we're to be obedient in him and with him in this. I also believe that God will bless our obedience and we will grow to like community more and more that we seek it out. One serious way God grows and heals us is through community. You're never going to believe you're actually loved until you mess up and someone stays. That's so scandalous about God, right? He dwells with us. He stays. We also have the honor of building these communities everywhere we go. Not just at Yonline, but in our houses, in our neighborhoods, in our families at home, in our workplaces. We can't isolate ourselves. This is a strength of ours. How to develop this? We really just need to get over the awkwardness and invite people. People want to be invited. When I went to a church in high school, the pastor always said, I'm his wife. It's really cheesy, but really helpful to me. If you want a hug, you need to give it. That sounds really cheesy, but if you want a hug, you should give it. God gives us the opportunity to invite people, and even if they say no, it reminds them that God invites them to things and wants them. Even if they say no. Another way to develop this is make up any fun or strange event to gather people. For example, Ryan and Missy really love the Oscars. Deeply love it. So every year for our area, they throw an Oscar watch party, which includes them streaming the, Os- the Oscars on their huge wall and watching it in the basement. For every movie that is up for best motion picture, they have an, a correlating food dish with it. I'm, I'm not kidding. So many. They also um, make themes. So like one night, everyone came in gowns. Other times it was like their pajamas. And also, no, our area now has over 100 people in it, so it's 100 people watching the Oscars with them. Ryan also is really obsessed in cool ways, like he makes a draft where you can guess who's gonna win everything and get a point system and you can win at the end. And last year his son Isaac won because he just copied all the answers and changed two. He changed them, right. So Isaac was, and he's nine. So that's hilarious, he's in Zia. Thank you. 
simple. She sat still and she listened. And then Jesus called it good. That is great. That's all we have to do. That is so cool that that's what we have to do. Um, I had my time yesterday where I was kind of freaking out a little bit about the seminar because I don't talk in front of people unless they're like seven years old. And um, and then also I became a Mason Wild later, and uh, that was also a little scary because I'm not really, well, I don't know what I'm doing. Sorry, Shannon. <laughs> but, um, but, and I just felt really ineffective. So I came to the Lord and I spewed all this out to him. Like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. I wish I had more time at both of these things to like figure everything out first. And um, then I sat and listened and then I opened my devotional and this was the verse in my devotional. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So like, I don't need to be prepared. God prepared me in advance of this. God is, God is worthy. And it's really cool because I think of Mary and I think of how she was captivated and changed by what he said. Um, and I, I was changed by what he said there too. I don't know if this seminar is any worse or better by me taking time to sit and listen to him, but I'm better because of it. Um, I got to have connection with the Lord because I listened. I got to hear his voice. I got to know more of his love. I got to know more of my identity that I'm his handiwork. I got to know more of his purpose for me. Um, I got to know more of my security in him. Um, which I think is cool, just by sitting and listening. We have to actually do stuff. Um, God says, be still and know that I'm God um, in Psalm 46.10. And there's something in the stillness and the quietness that helps us to know him, know ourselves, hear him better. Um, I definitely think we can listen to the Lord on the go. The Holy Spirit is talking to us all the time. So like I just say a little prayers like, oh, speak to me, Lord. Oh, speak to me, Lord. But there is something different about sitting and being still that you can't get on the go. Um, the more that you listen to him, the more you sit and listen to him, the more you're going to want to sit and listen to him, and the less you're going to be listening to other people's voices. Um, that is a big so the more I listen to the Lord, the less I listen to the voices and believe the other voices. Um, so ways to develop this. Um, ask him. Like, Lord, please speak to me. Please help me develop listening to you. Um, schedule time, like on your phone. Tell your roommates, your spouse, whoever, like, this is my time with the Lord. You may not touch it. I'm going to be in here being still and quiet. Um, just having a connection of rhythm, the rhythm of praying, being silent reading, see what he says to you. Um, I like to have extended times to listen on the weekends. Like, during the week, it's kind of crazy, and it's like, okay, here's my time with the Lord. Okay, please speak to me, and I think he can speak to you in listening for two minutes, but on Saturdays, I like to get up early and sit on this couch and, like, open the beautiful window and look out, and there's birds flying, and I just sit and listen to him for a long time because I have it, and it's actually more restful than sleep sometimes, so... Um, also, respond to him. When he tells you things and you're listening to him, respond. Like, actually do the things that he's telling you, um, and you're, you will develop more of a sensitivity to hear him better. Um, also, listening to the Lord, doing this, actually develops all of our other strengths. So do this, and it will develop wisdom, like what Zabby was talking about. It will develop connection with people because you'll understand people better. Um, it also will help free you from some of the struggles that we're going to be talking about. So this is like the bread and butter stuff. Listen to the Lord. Um, here's the question that we have for you. What does it look like for you specifically to sit at Jesus' feet? Like where could you do it? What does it look like? And then why is it so important for you to be there? For me, it's identity. I need to hear him tell me who I am. Otherwise, I listen to other people's voices about who I am. Um, but for you, it might be lots of other things. So just 30 seconds to think about that.
awareness and understanding, and I would even say also our expression, our expressing of emotions. I feel like as women, we get a bad rap for being too emotional. And I don't like that because we have big emotions. They are natural. They are a natural response to our God's goodness and then also our broken world. We are supposed to live life to the full, and that includes a full range of emotions. Um, God has given us a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone, and we should be feeling all these things and then expressing them in healthy ways. Um, we should have sadness, anger, fear, confusion, all of that stuff, and bring it to the Lord. He can be glorified when we take what we're feeling and give it to Him first. Um, Martha, in our story here, got really angry and frustrated, and she goes straight to Jesus with it. I don't think she even necessarily really knows who He is yet. But she accidentally did like one of the most emotionally healthy things she could do. So she took it to the Lord. I don't even know if she knows him, but um, but that's what we do too. And so we can do too by um, by bringing it to the Lord. He can take it and use it and glorify it. Um, Mary is really cool, and she does this also. Um, in John 11, um, Jesus heals. Oh well, okay. First, in John 11. Lazarus, Mark, Mary, Martha's brother, dies, and Jesus is like, that's okay, I'm going to come visit them, so he's on his way, Martha stops, and she goes straight for him, she knows more who he is now, and she says, Lord, if you were here, you would not, he would not have died, and she goes straight to him with her grief, and I love that, and Mary then sees this, and then she goes to Jesus with her grief, I love that Mary learned from Martha, and they can learn from each other, um, and I'm going to read real quick in John 11, 32 through 39. <coughs> now when Mary came to where Jesus was, she saw him and she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had not been there, here, my brother, <coughs> I'm going to pray over. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. I love that we can move the Lord with our emotions when we bring them to Him. That's exciting. I don't know. And He said, Where are you laid him? They said to Him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how they loved Him. But some of them said, Could not He who opened the eyes of the blind man also kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. And He raised Lazarus from the dead. I just love that God was glorified by Jesus healing uh, Lazarus, but I also love that, he, that God was glorified by Jesus sharing in the emotions and experiences of the people that were there. Um, I think that we can also glorify the Lord by sharing and the emotions and experiences of the people around us. So we talked about that a lot of times I cry when other people are crying, <laughs> um, but it, it really does glorify the Lord in it, like hearing each other's burdens means that we also are going to feel angry and sad and hurt with people, and that's okay. Um, and we're going to even glorify the Lord through it. Um, some ways to develop this. Um, you are going to have feelings. <laughs> you don't need to really develop the feelings, but bring it to the Lord. Sometimes we tend to express them in lots of healthy ways. Don't tell the Lord, but sometimes we do. Uh, but take it to the Lord first, and He will help you express them in healthy ways. Um, he will help you understand your emotions better. Um, if you are like me, sometimes you have a hard time naming your emotions, especially if they're like anger, frustration, things like that. And He will help you name those too. Um, Jesus actually told Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about lots of things. He helped her name the emotions that she was feeling when she was really just trying to say, Mary's bad. And he said, oh, actually, here's what it sounds like you're feeling right now. Um, so that's one way. Also, uh, when you bring it to the Lord, after you bring it to the Lord, go to friends. Share it with friends. You are going to glorify the Lord by telling friends, here's what I was feeling, here's what the Lord did with it, and here's how he met me there. You're going to glorify him and help other people to understand their emotions better, too. Um, the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, it's on the bottom of your chart there. That is an awesome book. I may recommend that for, um, express, for understanding your emotions, expressing them in healthy ways. Um, also, just a side note, sometimes professional counseling is helpful and necessary. So please 
If you don't deal with this yet in college, you will.
has special needs sits at another leader's dinner table at summer camp instead of yours? Do we count how many of your friends are in the room at Camp Mainers? Do we wish we were on a different team in our area? Or our team is the best ever and no one could ever compete with them? Do we count how many dates our roommates have been on? Do we count how many guys we've broken up with? Do we know how well behaved our friends' kids are compared to ours? I'm gonna be real honest. When I'm comparing, it's because I'm jealous of someone else. I'm jealous of who they are or I'm jealous of what they have. But I don't like admitting that because I'm an independent woman and I don't need anyone or anything. And I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Are you with me? And here's the most important thing about comparison that I, I really am dying for myself to believe and for you to believe. Do we believe that we're, when we're comparing, we're calling God a liar? It is a big problem that when we compare, we're sinning against ourselves. It is a big problem that when we compare, we are sinning against someone else. But you know what really breaks God's heart? That when we compare, we're sitting against God, the lover of our soul, our creator. We're calling him a liar. Psalm 139, 14 says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm Solomon 4 says, you are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. When we compare, we're calling God a liar. A strategy to fight this is to be in community with people that you confess sin to. When I was in college, every Thursday, I, my best friend Colleen and someone else, we meet every Thursday and we would confess sin to each other. Every Thursday. Sometimes that would look really fun and cute and we would get queso at a Mexican restaurant and then Instagram about it. Other times I would try to skip and they would show up at my house and sit on my bed with me as I would stop. Every week, we would talk about our sins. Do you have people that you confess your sin to weekly? Do you confess your sin weekly to God? Do I? That's a helpful strategy for me. Another strategy to fight this comparison is we need to remind ourselves of the truth. How I do that when I'm healthy is I have an app of note cards that I put all the scripture on that I'm memorizing. And that's the first thing I open on my phone during the day. Not my news app, not my social media, not my iCal, things I have to do today. It's that app. If you do that terrifying thing where you check your screen time, is your scripture memory app at the top? When I'm not healthy, it for sure is. We need to remind ourselves of the truth. The question we want everyone to think about is, how does comparison distract us, steal our joy, lead to anxiety and bitterness. Thanks for being vulnerable with us. Clean the bathroom. Uh, 
he shoveled six inches of ice and snow off my car. I wasn't even driving, and he just shoveled it all and our eight apartment neighbor's cars for fun. He's a servant. He told me he missed me. And all that stuff is really cute and awesome, but I really, really struggled to believe that he loves me. And I thought that would go away in marriage, and it didn't. And here's what I think that points to. Martha says, don't you care, in verse 42, and 40, don't you care? I relate to this. Martha's question is probably way bigger than if Mary can help her clean up. It reminds me a lot of Eve, where Eve doubted if God had her best intentions in mind in the garden, and it led to sin. But here's what's so great, and we've already talked about this. Jesus is not afraid of our anger or hurt or our disappointment. I don't know if Martha knew what she was doing, but she did a great thing by taking her hot mess express right to Jesus. She took all her disappointment right to him. And I miss this point a lot. It is a really big problem that sometimes I have trouble believing that JJ really loves me. But you know what that actually points to? That I'm doubting that God loves me. Initially, when I read this passage, I think Martha is really lame. <laughs> she messes up a lot, and I'm like, come on, get it together. But man, she takes her stuff right to Jesus' face. I'm more of a coward than Martha. I just hide, as if God doesn't already know. And this is the best thing ever. Jesus uses Martha's sin to draw her back to him and speak truth over her. This is true love, that in spite of her sin, Jesus loves her, in verse 42. Our last strategy to fight this is we got to keep some lists of things that are true. We need something to remind us how much we are loved. And for me, I keep a list in my journal weekly of small personal things that I feel like God's reminding me of, like, I see you. I hear you and I love you. Right now, these, this circumstantial list from last week includes, I prayed tonight get stuck in a snowstorm as I was flying home, and the storm stopped for one hour, exactly when my plane was like. A girl co-leader sent me flowers while I was away to remind me that it mattered. I cried when training was over for work because I love learning. God gave me a job where I'm sent away to take seminary classes, and I cried to my professor when it was over. And I get to leave again tomorrow for more training. This is the best job I have a box of every letter JJ's ever written me, and I reread it a lot. That list is so awesome, but you know what the second list is that really matters? It's this one. This is the list. This is the list of things that don't change. That box of love letters is really awesome, and this is our love letter that God wrote us, to us from God. Do we read it? Do we go to the lover of our soul? Because if I only keep a list of my circumstances, there are weeks in my life where it seems like God does not love me. And that's especially when I have to go to the truth that doesn't change. Or Psalm 18:20 says, my God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He's a shield for all those who take refuge. Or Psalm 139 where he says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you have that list of things that never change about you? The last question we want you guys to answer is, do we believe that God is always for us and that he cares? When are times you have a hard time believing that?
God, we love you. We cannot understand how you want to dwell with us. Help us to believe that we're already beautiful. That you bring us a love letter that can never be changed. Thank you so much that you are sending your son to come back for us. We need you, Lord. And we ask for your wisdom and you to change us. Jesus, this is all in your name and for your sake. To you be the glory forever now.